Will you guys bow your heads and pray with me real quick? God, we thank you for this Sunday night, for a chance and opportunity for all of us to come together in your name, God, not just to worship you in song, but worship you through your word, through knowledge and learning about you, God. Lord, I pray over all the students in here, all the volunteers in here, um, that we would just be open and honest with each other, open and being able to hear what you have to teach us tonight, God. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Hey, so if we haven't met, my name is Anna. I think I know most of you guys, but again, if we haven't met, I'm the high school girls and the small groups coordinator here at Mount Horeb for our student ministry. Um, And we're in this series called TBH, what I'm really thinking. And our staff created the series with the hope of just talking about different topics and subjects that we might talk about in school, we might talk about in church, but none of us are really honest about them. And so tonight we're talking about a subject that is super, super close to my heart um, as I've battled with it my entire life and I've known people who have lost the battle to it. Um, And that's anxiety. And so my goal tonight is not just to talk about it and throw some information at you and just send you home. And so you're like, what? Okay, I'm even more anxious now. And my goal is also not to fix all of your problems in 30 minutes. And so some of you might have already checked out because you think this is just going to be another message where we pose a problem and throw some Bible verses at you. And then you go home and you're left to do it on your own. But I want to tell you that tonight my goal is to start a conversation that we can continue with you guys about this topic. Um, So it doesn't end here when we say amen, and we'll see you next week. Um, That's just the start of the conversation. So know that you can come back, talk to any of us about this. Um, And my other goal is to offer hope, offer help, and really see some progress through this conversation with you guys. And first, I think it's important to define anxiety to kind of figure out what exactly it is we're talking about. Because this word, I think, has changed with culture. So it's kind of become this umbrella term that we use. So if you have anxiety, if you're diagnosed, if you struggle with it, if you have anxious thoughts, I want to tell you, you're 100% normal. So yay. That's good news. Um, Anxiety is something everyone experiences in some capacity at some point in their lives. So if you haven't yet, you're going to experience it one day. Um, But it's this normal human reaction to stress and to stressful situations. So anxiety is what triggers your fight or flight mode in your body. If you guys have had anatomy and physiology in high school, you've learned about the fight or flight response. So it's kind of like if you're in class and your teacher is going over the rubric for this really big project, and at the end, she's like, and the last 10 points are from your presentation on the subject. And some of you are like, I'm here for that. Like, I can do this. Put me up in front of everyone. I got this. And some of you, if you're like me, your stomach drops, and you think one of two things, I'm going to do this because it's for my grade, or what can I be sick with that day, and how can I get out of this? And so that stomach, that pit in your stomach and that stomach dropping feeling is anxiety. It's your body saying something dangerous is coming, so protect yourself, be aware. So it's really this beneficial response to danger. Um, Anxiety used to be something that if you struggled with it or if you had anxious thoughts or feelings, you kind of kept it on the DL. You didn't really tell many people about it. But now it's become this glorified global epidemic. And what I mean by that is... Everyone is anxious all 
the time. Everyone's triggered by something. Everyone says, I'm anxious, I have anxiety. And it's something that's now celebrated. So it's something I hear a lot of people say to act cool or to be cool or to stand out, um, something to make them different or to get attention. So if you do have it, you're unique. And if you don't have it, you're missing out on something. Um, so I think this happened because people who struggled with anxiety wanted to bring awareness to it. So they started talking about it, sharing their experiences with it. And that's great. The awareness is there. We all talked about it. But now we're all this big, anxious ball of mess, and we're stuck, and we're not moving anywhere. And this is an incredibly, incredibly dangerous place to be. And so the average teenager today, you guys in this room, on average, you guys are as anxious as a mental patient was in the 1950s. That's 70 years ago. The anxiety that's flooding most of y'all's brains right now is what people were committed for 70 years ago. And I don't say that to scare you. It's okay. Um, you're okay. It, but it's obvious that anxiety is increasing in our culture, especially in teenagers. And 70% of people y'all's age report being anxious or depressed. And suicide is the second leading cause of death in teenagers today in the U.S. And every single day, there are more than 3,000 attempts on the lives of high schoolers in the U.S. alone. 3,000 attempts every single day. 3,000 times every single day that somebody y'all's age tries to take their life. And so, like I said, I think it's obvious to say that anxiety has increased. Our culture has definitely changed in the last 70 years since the 1950s. So there's a lot, a lot more to be anxious about. And you think about back in the 1950s, if you were a teenager 70 years ago, the most you had to worry about was maybe going to school if you were one of the lucky families. And if you went to school, you maybe would go to college or you would get a job to provide for your family. And that was pretty much it. And now you spend nine hours a day in front of a screen, whether that be TV, scrolling through social media, video games, music, or the laptop that your school issued you. You have very little intentional human interaction. And there's all these expectations from your parents. You're expected to do well in school and go to college. And if you don't go to college, you're a screw up and you'll never get a job. From social media, you have to have the most followers, the most likes, the most retweets. Your profile has to look perfect. Your pictures have to fit the theme. Which picture do I post first? Which filter looks best? I have to keep my Snapchat streak with all 100 of my friends or the world is going to end. And from society, we have all these pressures to be individual, to have opinions, but now we can't voice these opinions because if we do, it's gonna hurt someone's feelings and then we're the bad guy. And so we have all of these pressures, all of these things weighing down on us, hitting at us, all of these different opinions, these different ideas that are flooding their brains and we don't know what to do. And so there is this large scale of anxiety that we're talking about tonight. Over here on this end is kind of our everyday struggles Things like family, grades, did I pass this test? Am I going to pass this class? Did I get an A or an F? Relationships, normal things. This is kind of your guys' age. Hate to break it to you. Your hormones and your bodies are changing. And so your emotions are going to go like this. And this is called life on this end. This is more controllable. And then somewhere in the middle, you might have these traumatic, catastrophic experiences um, something like abuse, something like the death of a loved one, the loss of a relationship. 
And this causes a lot of fear and grief. And then down here on this end is more of um, a diagnosed anxiety. So about 25% of people, y'all's age range, are here. One in four people are hang out on this end of the scale. So these are people who might be diagnosed with OCD or um, intrusive thoughts, and they might be predisposed. That means they might have a genetic um, predisposition to struggle with anxiety. And so wherever you are on this scale, you know that anxiety can feel like an infinite web of what ifs, this feeling of hopelessness. It's hard to identify the root or the reason behind it. And how many of you know that these fears and anxieties can seem to come out of nowhere and they're often not really true. They're often illogical and they often don't make sense. But it's the sensation that comes over you. I've heard anxiety described as when the unknowable and the uncontrollable seem to collide. So the unknowable and the uncontrollable colliding. And at its lightest attack, anxiety can feel like nervous jitters and butterflies in your stomach. But at its heaviest attack, your body locks up, your muscles tighten, your chest tightens, you get really hot, your heart beats really fast, your breath gets short, you have a headache, you might feel dizzy or lightheaded. I saw a tweet the other day that said, anxiety is like not being able to breathe, but never actually dying. And if you've experienced an attack, you know that is 100% true. Your head and your mind are going around and around, around and around in circles, and it feels like you're banging your head on the wall just trying to get out of this feeling. It feels like your brain and your body are being torn in two, are being torn in half. And the Greek word that is used in the Bible for this word anxiety is this word called merimnau. And merimnau means to be pulled apart, pulled in two different directions. So in the Bible, when we see the word anxiety used, this is what they're referring to, to be pulled apart, this feeling I just described. It feels like your brain and body are being torn in half. And so tonight, we're talking about this entire scale that I just, everywhere from the controllable anxieties to the uncontrollable anxieties. And first, there are four things that I want you to know. One, I'm not going to tell you that your anxiety is right or wrong. Two, if you feel it, it's valid. Your emotions and feelings are valid if you feel them. But three, God does not want us to sit in these anxieties, in these stressful situations, in these depressions, in these modes where we don't want to make it to the next day. And four, I do want to say that I am aware there are medicines, there are therapists, there are doctors out there who dedicate their lives to helping these situations, and I'm very thankful for those. Um, and so I'm not discounting those at all. Um, but I want to share a little bit about my struggle with anxiety with you guys. So I was a very anxious child growing up, and you might not know that now because I feel like I've mellowed out a good bit. But um, I was I was not diagnosed, but I had OCD, and OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. A lot of people think they have it. A lot of them don't. Some people are just perfectionists in particular. But OCD is kind of um, when a person feels the need to perform certain actions or repeat certain thoughts over and over and over again. And sometimes you don't really have control over that. But when I was a kid, I, would, I had this thing I called counting. So if my hand or my finger or something touched this microphone once, I had to touch it three times or nothing was going to be okay that day. 
Um, I had these intrusive thoughts that repeated over and over and over again in my head. All these, I call them what ifs. What if this doesn't happen? What if this does happen? What if this doesn't work out? What if that does work out? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? I was always worried about the weather and natural dangers. If a storm was happening in my head, it was a tornado and it was going to threaten my life. And I would sit there and sit there and worry and worry and worry. And now I think about it, it sounds silly. But I worried about my height. I was 5'8 when I was in eighth grade. Don't act shocked. I was this tall when I was in middle school and all my friends were like half my size. And so, yeah, it's embarrassing. So I always worried about that. In middle school, my worries increased and you guys have all been through middle school. So, you know, you're worried about your friends, your friend groups, who are you gonna hang out with, your looks. How does your hair look that day? Is that guy looking at you? Is that girl looking at you? When do I start wearing makeup? All these things. And then in high school, they increase even more. So you have all these worries from middle school, plus people start dating. And then you realize, I'm a junior and I've never dated anyone before. What's wrong with me? And then, nothing's wrong with you. And then you have your identity. Who am I? What's my purpose in this world? What do I want to be when I grow up? I'm growing up next year. What college do I want to go to? All these things that flood your head. And so the summer between my 10th and 11th grade year, all of these anxieties from my entire life had built up in my head and I broke. And it started manifesting itself physically. And I had the need to control my thoughts. That's kind of what OCD is. You want to control everything. I had the need to control my thoughts, and I couldn't, which drove me even more crazy because I didn't have control. Um, But I didn't really tell anyone for a while. I kind of looked around, and all my friends were happy, and they were laughing, and nothing seemed to be wrong with them. So I said, well, something must be wrong with me if I'm having these thoughts and these feelings. So I'm just not going to tell them. So I didn't hang out with them all summer, which led to a lot of isolation. And that isolation led to a very deep depression. And that very deep depression led to me thinking one day, I don't want to wake up anymore. I don't want to do this whole life thing. I don't want to feel anxious. I'm not about this. And I was in a very, very dangerous, dangerous mindset, a very dangerous, anxiety-driven, depression-filled place. And the advice that I always got is probably advice that a lot of you have gotten before, and I know because I've probably given it to you before. Um, But it's advice like, pray about it. Seek God and he'll take it all away. Pray about it some more. Read your Bible. Have you prayed enough? Have you really given it to God? Have you really prayed about it enough? Read your Bible again. And I don't know about you guys, but every time someone said this, I thought my brain was going to explode. Because if someone told me to pray about it or go read scripture one more time, I was going to lose it because it wasn't working. And I know a lot of you guys have been in that place before where you're like, don't say that because it's not going to work. And I feel like this is where a lot of us find ourselves when we're struggling with anxiety or anxious thoughts and feelings. We don't want to hear that Jesus is the answer. And I think that's because we don't really believe that he is the answer. I think We don't think, we don't fully believe that he's going to come in and fix us. We don't believe that we can really give our problems, our anxieties, our struggles to him. And we want all of these tangible, physical fixes to take our problems away. So we turn to things like drugs and alcohol and sex and popularity 
and pornography and people who can give us these magical answers. And we turn to these things, hoping that they're going to get rid of our problems, but the thing is that they don't. They just stick a Band-Aid on it until the problems rise up again. And then you put all of these physical, tangible fixes back on it, and your problem gets worse and worse and worse. And so we need to realize and admit that anxiety is something that is beyond us, and it's beyond our strength. It's a much bigger problem than us, and if it wasn't, we would have solved it by now. We would have figured all of this out by now. And so we have this huge problem, this thing that is beyond us, and we try to fight it with logic and reason. And that's not going to work because the more we try to reason with it, the more we try to make sense of it, the deeper it, deeper it pulls us. It's like quicksand. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this about quicksand, but if you get stuck in it, the last thing you're supposed to do is fight your way out of it because it pulls you deeper and deeper until eventually it's enclosed you. And this is exactly what happens with anxiety. We fight and fight and fight and try to make sense of it and try to make sense of it and try to make sense of it, and then we're just done. And it makes us more anxious than we were in the beginning. And some of you are thinking right now, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what I'm feeling. You don't know what I'm going through. This Jesus guy isn't going to help me. And I want to say to you, I do know what I'm talking about. I do know what I'm going through because I have been at the lowest point of my life because of anxiety, because of depression. I've been at the point where I didn't want to face another day on this earth because of those things. And I'm standing here alive on this stage telling you that you can do it, telling you that Jesus is the only one who can truly heal you. And if you're willing to reach out to all of these physical, tangible things to try to fix this problem and they're not working, then I'm begging you just to try Jesus. Try one last thing. And I promise that he can heal your heart and your brokenness. And so tonight, I want to look at two of the most popular Bible verses on anxiety. And the first one is 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. So if you guys want to go ahead and turn there or scroll there on your phones, because we're going to be in this a lot tonight. So 1 Peter was written by Peter, and he was an apostle of Jesus. And Peter was writing this letter to groups of Christians who had been scattered throughout the world because they were being persecuted. So these are people who were literally fearing for the next day. They were wondering, waking up every day wondering, is this the day I'm going to die? Is this the day I'm going to die? Is this the day I'm going to die? And so the people he's talking to are facing problems a lot bigger and sometimes a lot more real than the ones that are growing through our heads today. And what does he tell them? He says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So if this is true for people who are literally scared to death, don't you think it's true for us? But if I'm one of these people Peter is writing to, I'm thinking, okay, that's great, but I've had people care before and it doesn't ever turn out well. My best friend said she would care for me, and then I told her all these things, and she went and gossiped about me. My boyfriend or girlfriend said they would care for me, and they went and cheated on me with so-and-so. The person I love most in the world said they would care for me, but when I told them all the messy parts of my life, they left. My mom or dad said they would care for me, but because I did all these horrible, terrible things, they neglect me, 
They shame me. They make me feel guilty. And so I think a lot of times we read verses like this and we push God's care to the side because we don't really know or understand how much he really will care for us. And so we see God, we start seeing God like we see other people. If he sees the bad parts of me, he's not going to love me anymore. If he sees this side of me that turns to drugs and alcohol when I get anxious, he's not going to love me anymore. If I do good enough, he'll love me. But as soon as I slip back into this old habit, he's not going to love me anymore. If I'm anxious, he's not going to love me anymore. And so Peter, when writing this verse, was likely quoting a psalm, Psalm 55, 22. And we don't have it up on the screen, but Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. So it says, he will never let the righteous be shaken. And I think 99% of the time, we operate out of this psalm. We operate out of the idea that he will never let the righteous be shaken. And so we operate out of this mindset that as long as we're good enough, he'll love us. As long as we're holy enough and righteous enough, he'll protect us. He won't let anything bad happen to us. But this verse reminds me of another verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 20, 21, which tells us that God is our friend in Christ and God put the wrong on him who never did any wrong so that we could be made righteous in God's eyes. So now when God looks at us, he sees us hidden in Jesus. He made us righteous by putting all of our wrong on Jesus. So we're hidden in the righteousness of Jesus. So now when God looks at us, all he sees is righteousness. All he sees is Jesus, whom he loves, who is a part of him. And so I can prove to you that God does, in fact, care about every single inch of you. He loves the joyful parts of you. He loves the anxious parts of you. He loves the bad, sinful parts of you. He loves the parts of you who do things to honor him. And he loves the parts of you that do things you probably shouldn't be doing at night. He loves the parts of you that hang out with people you probably shouldn't be hanging out with. And because we know this, because we know that God cares about every single part of us, we can rest in the fact that, yes, if we cast our cares on him, he will care for us. If we give him our anxieties, he will care for us. And I want to back up on the screen to verse 6. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And another translation of this verse says, so be content with who you are and don't put on airs. So don't be fake. Don't be honest. Be the you that God made you to be. I think a lot of times anxiety comes from us trying to keep up this facade that we've made, this fake person that we've made ourselves out to be, and we're trying to please everyone and keep up this facade. And we crumble under that because that's not who God made us to be. And what does Peter say here? He says, don't. Don't fake it. Just be, who ha be happy with who God made you to be. So one, cast your cares on him because he does, in fact, care for you. And two, just be content in who you are. The next verse is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Go ahead and turn there. 
In this verse, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so the first thing I noticed about this verse is that, what does Paul say about anxiety? He says, don't be. Don't be anxious about anything. And I feel like a lot of us read this and we're like, what? Like, how do we not be anxious about anything? How do you not be anxious? And then how do you not be anxious about anything? And this is not a suggestion, but this is a command. He's saying, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. But if we read further, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so, again, if I'm one of these people that Paul's writing to, I'm thinking, okay, that's great. He cares, but can he just wipe all these people who are trying to kill me out? Because that's who Paul's writing to also, these groups of people who are being persecuted, these Christians who are being persecuted. So if I'm the one he's writing to, I'm thinking, can he just get rid of these people? Can he get rid of the problem? And I think that's how we approach God a lot when we have anxieties or worries or fears. We say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. Can you just take it away? Okay, thanks. Bye. And we leave and we don't come back. But what does Paul say? Paul says, by prayer and supplication. Supplication means begging or pleading. So by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And so the message version says it like this. Don't fret and don't worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. So rather than going to God and asking him to fix our problems and get rid of our problems, we should go to him, letting him know our concerns, but first thanking him for all that he's done, for all that he is, for all that he's given us in our lives, and then letting our concerns be made known to him. So I think in those moments when you're struggling with anxiety, and a lot of you know that if you're in those moments, if you're in that attack mode, it's hard to reason with yourself. It's hard to get into this logical side. It's hard to think of these things. But really just saying, God, I thank you for this moment, and I thank you for my emotions, and this is what I'm struggling with. And so I guarantee you that some of you are still thinking, that's great and all, but how's that going to change and help me when I'm in the midst of feeling anxious? And so I want to offer you some practical examples that have helped me in my life. Um, the first is journaling. And I know that sounds super girly, but guys can do it too. So journaling, writing down your prayers, writing down your thoughts, writing down your emotions, getting it out. You can also get it out by finding a friend, finding a small group, finding a leader, maybe someone in this room who you can go to. Just confess things or talk about things. Talk about your feelings. Get them out. Pray and read scripture, which I know earlier said my brain was going to explode if anyone told me to do that again, but it's true, and I think we've learned just that here tonight. And more practical examples. Exercise. Eat right. Get enough sleep, because none of you do. Unplug from your phones every now and then. I'm going to say it again. Unplug from your phones every now and then. 
Because yes, we have this supernatural hope in Jesus, but sometimes it's helpful to have Jesus with skin on. And by that, I mean it's helpful to have people in our lives who he works through to reach us, to soften our hearts, to come and protect us when we are feeling shaken up, when we are feeling unsettled. So will you guys bow your heads? God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for um, just being able to share this message, Lord, being able to share my struggle, my battle with anxiety. And I pray, God, that, um, that it touched the hearts of someone in here. God, I pray that you would be with them, that you would teach them, that you would pass on examples of how to, how to get through it to them, God. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.